Welcome to the Guys in Short Sports interview with Eddie Lewis. I'm going to make this short because we want to jump right into the interview that we did with him. But thanks for listening. And keep in mind, we are guys from Southern California. And Eddie Lewis is a guy from Southern California who made it in the pro sports world. Every kid, that's their dream to do that, be a professional athlete. And it's just so cool to talk to him, his experiences, the opportunity to represent his country on the men's national team. He gets into that. And certainly what he's doing now is a very cool thing to, to continue progressing soccer into the future. Interesting dude, super nice guy. We were incredibly lucky to get him on the show. So without further ado, here's our interview with Eddie Lewis. We are massively fortunate to have on the line with us now, Eddie Lewis, who, and I'm taking this straight from Wikipedia, so Eddie, you're going to have to correct me if any of this is wrong. <laughs> oh boy. He had his 14-year professional career. He played extensively in both the United States and England, including your Los Angeles Galaxy. He was also a veteran member of the United States national team throughout the late 90s and 2000s. He acquired 82 caps, scored 10 goals, and represented his country at the 1999 Confederations Cup, the 2002 World Cup, the 2003 Confederations Cup, the 2003 CONCACAF, excuse me, World <laughs> Cup, and the 2006 World Cup. On the line, Eddie Lewis. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, Heck of an intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> actually sounded fairly those? extensive. Oh, that, <laughs> that is extensive. Good. And that fails to mention the really important thing, which is grew up in Cerritos, California. That's right. And attended Cerritos High School, which uh, we have a Cerritos High School alum in the room yeah. in Eric. And, uh, of course, a few of us that went to Gar, your rival high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Obviously, you're going to win while. any argument that we have <laughs> on which school produces the better uh, <laughs> the better students. But that, that takes it way back. Yeah, absolutely. I'll kind of jump in here. So we did mention it. Eddie and I kind of have something in common. We both played soccer at Cerritos High School, which actually kind of back in the day is a little bit of a soccer hotbed. Produced some U.S. soccer talent, guys like Marcelo Balboa. Jorge Salcido, Eddie Soto. So I know Marcelo was a little bit older, but did you cross paths with uh, Jorge Salcido and Eddie Soto when you played at Cerritos? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. In in a lot of ways, both Jorge and Eddie, um, I really owe uh, quite a bit to, you know. Um, I mean, Eddie in particular was uh, very helpful in terms of getting me you know, eventually on to, to NHB, which became kind of this, you know, springboard club uh for me and, and eventually kind of gave me the opportunity uh to get to ucla but i mean i was very fortunate in to to come in and play at cerritos that already had very established youth national team players and you know for certainly at that time a lot of young american players you know the exposure was was very very limited and you know it was kind of hard to be uh in the right place or in the in the limelight you know see what the top players were doing obviously there wasn't a league yet or you know, a place to really see good soccer. So um, to be surrounded by, you know, some kids at a, at a really high level made a made a big difference. So very, very fortunate. And did you guys know that you had something special with that team, having those talented players? Yeah, I mean, I I probably should have known better, <laughs> but I was so, so kind of new. I was kind of late to the sport, you know, so in, in a lot of ways I was very naive. But, um, yeah, they were, I mean, looking back, it was – 
it was another level, you know, to assemble that many good players. And it wasn't just, you know, those two, there were a bunch of regional players and, and both kind of, you know, older and younger, um, all, you know, together. And, and what nowadays is, is very difficult in terms of, you know, sort of scholastic sports and, 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 uh, school teams was um was pretty awesome so that was it was a ton of fun yeah and definitely you know going to cerritos high school and playing uh kind of in the the late 90s and early 2000s there's definitely like a mythical feature about <laughs> the guys who used to play at cerritos high school so it's very cool to kind of hear hear yeah. how it went down oh yeah hey eddie this is victor just for our listeners uh the way we uh the way we got eddie on the show is i actually was lucky enough to play with eddie long long time ago on a club team called the west orange county united star blazers and uh, Eddie joined us, and even before Eddie came on that team, he was well known in AYSO as like this stud player. Like he was come, like he was he was big. He probably won't really? admit it right now, but he was even in AYSO. Ben, ben you can relate to that, right? <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie was that kind of was that player at that age that was had a knack for scoring a goal. Like, I don't know how he would do it, but he would always find a way to put that ball in the back of the net. But uh, speaking of NHB Black, and, and I can tell you from facing that team, it was pretty much like the the Dodgers facing like a, you know, I was on a single A team and I was going to go play against the Dodgers. Oh, wow. I think we lost like seven or eight nothing. <laughs> um, it was it was horrible. They had some some amazing players on that team, including uh, Ante Razoff was on that team, a guy named Gerardo Laterza. And these guys were, I mean, it was men among uh, little boys on my team. <laughs> but uh, quick question. Seeing as how you guys dominated every other clean club team, uh, at least in my level uh, of playing, uh, did you know at that point that soccer was going to be more than just like a recreational thing for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, and, and you, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, that was, that for me anyway, the moment, I mean, that turned me into a, a, a really a, a man or a, a, a young man at that point. You know, going from really a kid who loved soccer and was passionate and kind of playing uh, soccer with kids to now um, really in an environment in which was a bunch of men I mean, men willing to to take on and and you know sort of fight other men, and for me that was just an incredible growth opportunity. And and really, when I kind of saw the light and, and said, "Listen, if I can compete with these guys, I'm I'm really oh, yeah. not scared yeah. of anyone." And the environment they created there. I mean, Roger White was just you know sort of just kind of transcended really at that point, kind of club soccer just because it was so much more than just the on the field playing, but kind of the growth off the field and the yeah. competition in training um, really, you know, it, it made the transition even at the collegiate level and, and UCLA, which is a, a very established school, um, not nearly the the kind of daunting step that a, that a lot of players take. So it was, it was really, that was, um, that was the most intense days I think in, in almost my entire career because I felt like I went from a, a 16 year old, you know, little boy into, you know, what turned into an 18 year old young man. Well, so you became a man at 16 and I'm 38. I'm, I'm a little behind the curve here. I've been waiting for that moment. step up yeah. my game. Yeah. So I'll kind of jump in. You kind of segued into it. So, you know, you mentioned that the league hadn't, didn't exist yet. So do you think playing, being in Southern California and going to UCLA had an impact that you're on your game at all? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think it still does, you know, for a lot of Southern California players, it's so dense with so many great players um and you know as you mentioned i mean at the time guys like ante and 
Jerry and, and the Damon Browns of the, of the world. I mean, these guys were so far ahead of the curve, you know, sort of technically and playing in such competitive environments. And, you know, a lot of times they were playing in, in men's leagues and, and other things that just, you know, traditional youth structure would have, would have never offered. And I just think that sort of variety and because the game is sort of so embedded and you have so many different cultures in, in the Southern California area that, um, you know, if you can kind of survive and rise to the top here, I think you set yourself up pretty well for, um, you know, certainly the competition domestically. Having followed followed your career on my couch uh, th- when you were playing, uh, I've always wanted to ask you this this question, and it was, what was it like putting on that national team jersey and stepping out on that field for your first game? I mean, that just it must have been amazing. Oh, that be- yeah, that I mean, that's that's really it, right? I mean, and for me, it was it was you know you kind of grow up at a time. Um, my dad was was much older, and he was actually he was in World War Two, and wow, you know, so he was kind of a bit of a uh, a war buff in in a sense, and and a pretty patriotic dude. So, uh, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, I think, you know, besides just the accomplishment of, you know, what a soccer player may say is, you know, sort of the the pinnacle of your career in terms of, you know, representing a nation or anything else, I really always took this kind of extra special pride in really kind of representing the country. And it was, it feels kind of corny every time I say it, but <laughs> Not corny in a lot of ways, yeah. it, it, it was, it was such a proud you know, moment for me, and I knew how much it meant to my dad and everything else. So oh, for that's me, awesome. that was a big, big part of it. It wasn't really till later that I kind of, from an international soccer standpoint, was really starting to appreciate, you know, the level and the competition and the opportunity. But um, you know, for a while, and certainly early on, I was I was just so proud to kind of um, be one of the very few that could kind of represent your nation, and um, pretty cool having not represented my nation in anything like that's <laughs> that's the answer that we want to hear oh, like totally. that is the totally. coolest thing yeah i wish ryan lockdeet listens <laughs> to what you yeah, just said yeah exactly the pride and respect that you have that's that's awesome all right. Speaking of the U.S. men's national team, I want to go back to the 2002 World Cup. The uh, goal that you assisted on against Mexico that sent the U.S. to the round of 16, which, yes, of course... The original dos a zero. That's right. The original <laughs> dos a zero. Uh, I know Eric and I at the time were going nuts when that happened. But uh, if you could you know, walk us through that goal... And just uh, what is it like to be a part? You know, what is it like to be a part of such a huge moment in in U.S. soccer? For me, still, um, you know, and I kind of get uh, goosebumps thinking about it. You know, definitely, um, you know, one of the 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 absolute, if not the highlight of my career. And uh, I mean, I guess to better understand, probably the game, and certainly that time. I don't know how well you remember it, but. You know, we were winning 1-0, but as in a lot of cases in, in soccer in particular, you know, Mexico was was really starting to break us down. Frida was making tons of saves. Yeah. And you could just feel it, right? I mean, it was coming. And if they got one, you know, they were going to get three. And it was, you know, we were sort of holding on. Um, at the time, I just remember, we were, I was kind of playing like a wing-back position, doing a lot of defending and I just thought, you know, if, if, you know, on a couple of these, as we're starting to get tired, you know, if I can just take some chances and get forward on the break, you know, and see if we could kind of hit them on the counter, um, you know, this might take some of the pressure off. And 
And I remember, I mean, I, I played it in the tunnel, Brian. He got the ball. He kind of gave me a look, but then he went inside, kind of looked me off, went right. And I kept trying. It was just one of those plays where you kind of knew he still knew I was there. And he doesn't really get enough credit for the goal itself because okay. he did a really good Great job. Ball, yeah. yeah, and shifting the whole kind of Mexico defense, right? So he kind of slid them all over, you know, to our right and their left, which kind of even opened up more space for me kind of on the wing and then sort of pulled it back on his left foot, clipped a really nice ball out to me. And I can just remember thinking, <laughs> I mean, it was just a slow, beautifully floated ball. And I thought, okay, just all I really need here is just a really clean first touch. And if I set it up, then, you know, the, the rest of it is, is my wheelhouse. You know, I know I can feel the defender coming, like just don't, take a bad touch and then have to clean it up or dribble him or anything else. And I just remember as soon as it came off my foot and just sort of settled out in front of me, that was, that was really, it. I saw this streak. I didn't really know it was landing, but I saw this hole where I wanted to hit it. I knew whoever was running was running into that same hole. And at that point, you know, as soon as it kind of leaves your foot, you just kind of know, you know, <laughs> it was just well led. It was going. And as soon as it went in that, you know, Obviously, the whole game. I mean, it could have oh, been on yeah. the final whistle right there. So awesome. That was it. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it was almost, it, it really wasn't even, you know, until after the tournament that I used to wake up in the middle of the night, like, and I would wake up literally still scared, like, oh man. <laughs> Thank God I didn't screw that up. Because wow. We were going to lose that game, you know? Wow. So, yeah, so, it was a great, really I mean, just an amazing moment. moment. What are the, some of the biggest differences between playing in England and the MLS professionally? Where do I start? I mean, I suppose <laughs> we're, <Just everything. laughs> we're still, it's still 11 v 11 um, for sure, but it's, it's a, tr it's a tricky one in the sense that, listen, I mean, in, in some ways there are things about the MLS that are, uh, that are harder, you know, in the sense that, and certainly when I was involved in the league, it was a very athletic league, um, you know, so it, it was hard physically, you know, technically I think there were some, some gaps, but that didn't right. always make it necessarily easy to play in. I mean, I think you, you saw it, there were a lot of foreigners that would come over and not necessarily do that well. And it wasn't because they didn't play at a good level. It was just, you know, it was a little bit different game and it was, it was hard. I mean, in, in England, I think what was the most challenging is I was always sort of, you know, kind of top of the championship or bottom of the premier league. And right championships kind of like the MLS in that it's, it's a hard league. It's a grind. I mean, there's 56 games. Mm -hmm. There's it's, it's pretty physical. Um, you know, technically it's, it's not as good as the Premier league. So it's, it's a harder league, you know? And then if you're in the Premier league and you're in that sort of bottom six, I mean, that's a hell of a fight, right? Yeah. Every single game yeah. is you kind of start playing not to lose and, instead of trying to win. So, uh, you know, what, what I loved about England was every single game was incredibly competitive and holding your position in the team, particularly as a foreigner was exactly the same, you know, so mm -hmm. it, it forces players to play at such a high standard on a consistent basis, just because if you don't, you're going to get dropped. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's that simple, right? There's too many players available and, and certainly playing as a foreigner and, and coming in and, and now there's, there's even more foreigners sort of in the league, but you know, at the time to come in and, 
And if you're going to take a, a British guy's shirt, you know, mm-hmm. you, you better be worth keeping it. Right. Um, right. Because that wasn't always, uh, you know, particularly well received, but, you know, I, I, I did love that, you know, you're just immersed in this soccer culture. That's, you know, all about it. Right. I mean, from a footballing standpoint, I couldn't have asked. And, and it's why I stayed, you know, as long as I could truthfully, just because I thought it was, you know, really the center of the soccer universe. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's what it is coming back to the league. You know, by the time I got back, that thing had grown leaps and bounds. It's, it's continuing to do so. I think that the standard is good. Um, you know, it's, it's listen, as a player and certainly of my generation, uh, I mean, for the rest of my life as almost an ambassador to the game, I'll continue to carry this sort of, um, trench bearing kind of flag in terms of continuing to improve the game. Right. I'm, I'm not really the generation that's going to bear all the benefits of it. Right. I'm, right. I'm responsible for continuing to help the player development, to help the coaching, to, you know, try and continue to get players playing abroad and, and, you know, influence the game now, not necessarily on the field, but, but off the field. So, um, you know, it's still a big responsibility, but um, I think the MLS has done a good job kind of uh, becoming more competitive, although, you know, I could probably spend an hour with you guys talking about all the challenges that I think, you know, aren't yeah. being addressed or, or could be better. And, you know, I'm one opinion. I think it's, it's, it's probably a decent one, but there's a lot of smart guys trying to figure it out. And, you know, the, the key is, the the ownership and the money behind it are are all in so i think it's it'll get there you know nice. well if you want to spend that hour eric's literally foaming <laughs> at the mouth right now with excitement i'd happily talk galaxy for hours on end I'll, I'll kind of follow up you kind of hinted at something there about uh you know taking a, a british player's shirt and what that means i think from the uh the fan perspective uh americans abroad there's a, a little bit of a stigma, it feels like, with fans either in England or in Europe. Is is that real, or did you feel any of that when you played in England? Yeah, I mean, for without a doubt. I think it's 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 getting better, you know? I mean, I had, when I was at Fulham, I mean, my I had a French coach, a first-team coach, who flat out told me, I, you know, Eddie, I, you're doing a great job, but the reality is Americans just did his they don't know how to play and it and he was really serious about it and he was it wasn't as offensive as it sounded meaning he was basically saying there's not an infrastructure there like we're trying to play game you you yeah you don't know what you don't know and obviously this was you know a weekend right so um (laughs) that seems a little short-sighted to me (laughs) yeah and things changed a little bit but uh, you know, without a doubt, I really think until, and it's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the other side of the coin in terms of bringing all these American players back and, you know, trying to boost the league by, by bringing the stars back. I'm still a big fan of until we get to the point that, you know, there's an American playing at top teams in, in Europe. Uh, it's, you know, just not going to get, the same level of respect that you probably deserve and you know it hasn't happened yet and it doesn't mean just one player at one big club i mean you know five or six and you know not necessarily fighting for the 
you know, ballon d'or, but at the same time, just contributing, you know, and I think right. you see a lot of these other emerging countries that have, that have started to do it. I mean, look at Japanese players, you know, there, there's tons of them at a lot of really, really big clubs, you know, and the J league has grown and, you know, they're a, a young developing nation like us, but I think there's certain things that, you know, they've probably done a little bit better. So just to kind of bring it back to MLS, to me, um, as uh, a Galaxy fan, kind of following them this season, it seems like there might be some locker room issues or the team chemistry. From a player's perspective, does locker room unrest or team chemistry, does that have any effect on what happens on the field? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, well, you're absolutely right. You know, there has been um, definitely some some problems this year. Like I said, we'll probably could go on to that. You know, sort of offline. Yeah, but um, it, yeah, no, it's a huge, it's a huge impact. In fact, it's probably you know one of Bruce Arena's, in in my opinion's greatest strengths. In that, wow. you know, he's always built really good locker rooms, and you know, he's done a, a very good job of kind of influencing it, but at the same time, kind of letting the players and and the atmosphere sort of evolve and. Um, I'm not sure why it, it kind of got sideways this year. It's it's fine, you know. They're a good team and they're coming together at the right time. But you know, in terms of the impact, um, you know, without a doubt. I mean, if you if you have a great locker room, is it going to guarantee you success? You know, of course not. But uh, if you have a really good team, but the locker room's a disaster, it it makes it makes it a a lot harder. You know, it's possible, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it makes it. Um, a heck of a lot harder. I knew it. <laughs> well, well chem chemistry is the reason why the 2002 Angels won the, the World Series, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> kind of sticking with that theme. In the past, the Galaxy have signed some big-name players. Arguably, some of them are kind of past their best-buy date. Do you think that they should continue with that strategy or try to go younger with guys like Giovinco in Toronto or even Dos Santos, who they signed here in L.A.? What, what strategy do you think the Galaxy should Yeah, start? I mean, listen, you know, these, I think, obviously, you want to get good players whenever they're available. Um, this year seemed a little bit um, interesting in that they were, they were grabbing a lot of players, you know, and, and sort of, um, I guess, in... in to use your words, sort of past their <laughs> their their yeah, best eat, days, if you will. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. In in my opinion, I think obviously the league is is the real opportunity is in going after really good young foreign talent. Right, you're never going to fight Europe for the world's best players because we're, we're just not there yet. But at the same time, there's a ton of really good young players that particularly you know south americans or even european players that are having a hard time breaking into you know big first teams there they would love to get games play well and you know they may still move on but yeah. you know i know as a fan i'd love to be watching uh, a young brazilian you know play for the galaxy that i know is being watched by you know oh. Bayern Munich and yeah. a few other big clubs, and even if he's going to move on, you know I feel like I'm getting it, I'm getting to watch him first versus right. you know maybe watching a player that I kind of say well he was a really great player he's not you know really the same but he's still doing a good job for us yeah. and you know so there's probably a bit of both with that you know I think finding that younger player is, is certainly a, a tougher job in terms of uh you know the the scouting side of things but um, you know it's a well talked about subject, you know, within the league. And I think they'll continue to try and move 
younger, um, but without spending, you know, sort of unnecessarily. It's finding that diamond in the rough. That's right. <laughs> well, Eddie, Eric and Vic would keep you on the phone all night talking soccer <laughs> if they could, but I know you're a busy man. So we want to talk to you about what you got going on now. Tell us about Toka and uh, your work with that and everything. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Toka is really, it's a, um, you know, it's a, it's an idea that was born out of sort of my own training. I think we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, the fact that I was sort of later to the game and, you know, sort of uh, long story short, I started using a portable tennis ball machine to, to really work on my, my first touch, particularly kind of my right foot and some of the, some of the areas technically that just, you know, I, I wasn't quite getting in training, but I knew I needed in order to kind of get to the higher levels. And, you know, I, I basically took that concept. And when I retired with the galaxy, I, I built a couple prototypes with, you know, sort of slightly, um, these kind of custom sort of size two, if you will, soccer balls. And, um, you know, really just started shopping it around and saying, Hey, do you guys think this is something that, um, you know, makes sense from a training standpoint? I, I showed it to a lot of my national team friends and, and coaches and others, and, uh, you know, everybody really supported the idea. So long story short, I, I raised some money and we, we opened a couple of centers to, to, to test the training. And I'm now, you know, f- three and a half years really into it and uh we started officially in in may beginning to to license the name and and sell the machines so it's a it's a really exciting time you know i mean i i, I started with really a, a a drawing on a napkin i mean it's it's one of those wow, stories and that's crazy at this point i have a couple of patents that uh, you know i'm an inventron and you know, sort of created a business out of this and um, you know, in, in a couple of weeks or in early December, I'm in England meeting with the FA and uh, talking about training for for their youth teams and and their injured players and their their women's teams. So it's um, it's pretty cool. It's very exciting because it's it's a great way to stay connected to the game and and again, you know, if I can really sort of influence, you know, particularly on the developmental side, um, you know, players uh, even you know at the, at this stage. Um, you know, in my career, it's, it's very rewarding, number one, but at the same time, it it addresses kind of, um, you know, these, these bigger challenges of, you know, how do we catch up, um, to the rest of the world? Nice. That's very cool. Yeah. For those who haven't seen the machines he's talking about, it's like a pitching machine for a soccer ball. Yeah. (laughs) There's a video on the website that is really cool and shows exactly what it is. And the kids are, are, it seems like they're really grasping it. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's listen. It's it's a simple concept, right? It's it's really just repetition, you know, and and uh, it's it's born out of the very basic concept of, uh, you know, the kind of more you do something, generally, the better you get at it. And because I think soccer is is there's nothing natural about it, right? You're asking people to to do with their feet, you know, what is what is typically sort of done with your hands, and you know, if you're just not getting the touches it's, you know, it's, it's not going to help, you know, and if you're playing another sport or, or cross training or anything else, you know, that's, that's great, but it's really not helping your touch. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of not having to, you know, only play soccer from the age of eight, you know, 350 days a year. But at the same time, if our biggest problem is just not getting enough touches, then let's find a way to get more touches. You know, you because I know there's, Absolutely. there's other challenges. So that's, that's, that's my spiel, but I won't, no, I waste love you guys' it. time so on that. How, well, how do people find out more about Toka? Yeah, Toka Football is uh, 
is the website. And um, like I said, we're uh, we'll actually have a new version of the website here in a uh, in a few weeks. But and it's football yeah, with a U, right? Like the uh, European way. No, T O T O C A and then F O O T B A L L. Oh, okay. okay. And um, yeah, definitely check it out. There's most of the information is there. Like I said, we'll have uh, a revamped version in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a. It's, it's very cool. Really, yeah, it's it's really, more really than cool. just the machine. It's a. It's a. It's a full training system with automated feedback through an app and yeah, and awesome. all, so, all so the rest. Cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's app. fun. You had me at app. Awesome. <laughs> well, when the U.S. becomes the soccer powerhouse That's that we right. plan to be in the next uh, five, ten years, we'll have uh, you to thank Eddie to thank. Eddie yeah. Lewis. Yeah. yeah well hey, done, Eddie. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. We really appreciate it. Do you have a Twitter or anything that if people want to follow you, they can do? Nope. I'm, I'm off the grid. Good Completely, completely private. I mean, I respect I'm, I'm that massively. I'll do a bit, but it's it's just too hard. I mean, between sure. kids and everything else, it's just I can't do it. Yeah, but um, I'm jealous for those who ha- who can't. So, oh no, don't be. Don't. You're anyway, good. You're anyway. good. Once you open uh, that door, it's it's, it's uh, yeah. No, it's, you can't close yeah. it. You really can't close it. No. Well, Eddie, thank you again for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Our listeners are going to love this, and uh, and uh, all the best. Yeah. Yeah. You, no, Eddie. listen. Happy to help and um, whatever. Don't um, don't leave me too long. Have me on again at some point. Oh, and, we would uh, love it. Hey, anytime. actually, Eddie, I was gonna I was gonna see if uh, if Eric could if Eric and I could come down to one of your training centers and just get some audio uh, for an upcoming episode where you know we're actually trying it out and making fools of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. No, it'd be uh, it'd be a ton of fun. Oh, um, yes. not a problem at all. We'll put you through a full evaluation. I'm yes. honestly, oh, yeah, so yeah, I'm <laughs> In. There you now go. we're talking. All this my, is all my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start training. <laughs> I'll be there. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Eddie, thank you again. We'll definitely be in touch. Yeah, absolutely. All, all right, right, boys. Take all care. Right. Thanks, Thanks again. Yep. Bye now. Wow, what a cool dude! Yeah, it's pretty it's neat so that funny. we got somebody that high dude, yeah, soccer or not. When he yeah. was talking, you know, I did, I did want to ask the question, but you guys had a lot of questions. You know, one of the criticisms that I have about soccer is that. You know, I think it's soft, and you guys like always fall down. Like, how physical right. is the game itself? Well, in, in and, England, it's a different. It's, it's in, yeah, a different it's a different. Level, yeah. yeah, different regions play a different style of soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, English people aren't really known for taking dives, whereas South American and yeah. even Italian teams are known for taking dives. But uh, yeah, I mean, when I went to go play, the weirdest thing I actually went and played in England, or went with a soccer team to play in England. I didn't wow. play for an English team, <laughs> but uh, one of the craziest things was. How much hard? Okay, a fifty-fifty ball, right? So you you would uh, you'd meet. They would knock you on your ass, dude. They would seriously. I mean, it was. They would hit you so hard, and you th- and I would be going in like you know hundred percent, and then they would be going in, and it's this little tiny English dude with skinny legs, and I'm 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 gonna cream this guy. <laughs> we meet, and I'm I'm flying off the ball. It's 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 the weirdest thing in the world, but it <laughs> yeah. happened every single time, and you feel it like your shin would just be like I'm like oh yeah. crap. And yeah. I think yeah, Eddie kind of hinted at it too. 
that when other players from other countries come to MLS to play in the United States, maybe they're used to kind of having touch on the ball and it's a more of a skill-based game. Mm-hmm. And they'll come here and they'll just get bullied yeah, by some, get bullied. some guy who, you know, out of Clemson <laughs> who just <laughs> out-muscles someone. <laughs> like, hey, I thought we were playing soccer, not hey, you know, American football. Yeah. So, it's, so it's a different game. If we had athletes here. like football players and basketball players that are the best athletes in, in the United mm-hmm. States and, and they were trained from the young age yep. of playing soccer – would they dominate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Russell Westbrook yeah. would be the best soccer player in the world. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. With his athleticism and How about speed. Kobe when he was young? It's, Kobe it, when he was young. But the thing with, with – people bring up Kobe a lot because he ha- he actually played soccer and he right. has those skills. But I think he was almost too tall. I think when you're that Steve tall, Nash, though. it almost works against you. You'd get every header. You'd get every header. Yeah. There's a guy. <laughs> well, and actually, yeah. as, a, as a goalie, he might have been better. Yeah. But uh, Steve Nash actually is a really good soccer player. I and... would have put in Shaq in the goal. Tree trunk wouldn't get down. Uh, yeah. No, but that's that's, that's so true. If 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 the U if the U S was only playing soccer and there were no other professional sports, I guarantee you we would have won a World Cup by now. Yeah. I, that I don't doubt that whatsoever. We'd be as dominant but as we women. lose most of our best athletes to other sports. Yeah, absolutely. Because so there's that, no so money. That, that brings up a question: What do you think? What sport do you think takes away the most athletes from soccer? Oh, from that's soccer. A, I never thought about that one. Yeah, I think to me because I, football players are saying are too I, big. So I think, I'm thinking. So- I'm thinking basketball, but the I think height. It, but the height. So if if a yeah, but if a guy's like six one, six two, mm-hmm. yeah, quick and strong. That's a great soccer player. Yeah. But they're going to go and <laughs> yeah. play, you know, guard in the league or, right. or, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, and I think that, you know, that game, tr- basketball translates to soccer in a lot of ways with the off the ball movement and things right. like that. And so passing I, and all I, that I, stuff. I would think basketball, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm on board with that. Well, there you have it. Eddie Lewis. Dare I say, national treasure, Eddie Lewis. Super cool dude. Awesome to have him. And thank you for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Share the show, review, all that fun stuff. And that's it for this special episode of Guys in Short Sports Los Angeles. We'll see you guys next week.